we will get started. So we are going to uh, hopefully finish tonight um, the second of our sources, the one that we began last week, which uh, discusses the issue of Elu Ve'elu, uh, Rabbi Yisrael Solander's perspective on how it's possible to have multiple opinions exist at the same time, and not only for there to be multiple halachic opinions that exist at the same time, but those halachic opinions could even be mutually exclusive of one another, that it's possible that one says it's absolutely us and one says absolutely, absolutely mutter, and those two things could coexist at the same time in this broad umbrella of, of Torah. And then Rabbi Yisrael took it to this unbelievable uh, extreme. I think it's, it, it, it makes a lot of sense, but it is uh, uh, obviously an extreme opinion when you haven't thought about it before. And that is the notion that the exact same action could be performed by two people, and one person who does that action can actually earn for himself olam haba, and another person who does that exact same action with the almost exact same circumstances is going to find himself in Gehenim for doing that. And whether or not you're going to end up in Ganadin or whether you end up in Gehenim has nothing to do with the action. It has to do with who your Rebbe was. That's the example that he gave, that, uh, that in certain instances, in one case that we had in Yavamas, so if you marry the Tsaras Erva, and I won't go through that whole, uh, that whole uh, explanation of what a Tsaras Erva is again, but according to Beishamai, it's a mitzvah to go ahead and do Yibum in that case. And if somebody does Yibum, they earn Olam Haba. Whereas according to Beishelel, you're not, there is no mitzvah to do Yibum in that case. If there's no mitzvah to do Yibum, then it violates the issue of marrying a brother's wife, Eishes Ach, and somebody marries a brother's wife is going to find themselves in, the, in Gehenna. So that was the basic principle which Rabbi Yisrael uh, laid down for us, this amazing perspective on Torah, which, as we said, that many times we think that uh, the Torah and halachic shilas are something which are going to follow some sort of pattern, a consistent pattern, like a mathematical equation, two plus two equals four, and the expectation is, is that Everywhere in the universe, no matter who you ask, two plus two is going to be four. It's not a subjective thing. It has nothing to do with your political affiliation. It has nothing to do with your religious affiliation. Uh, two plus two equals four does not discriminate by race, age, or anything of that of that sort. It's just a reality of existence. So many people erroneously think that halacha works the same way, that theoretically, if you present the same set of facts, to any Rav in the world, you'll consistently get the same answer again and again and again. But the truth is, is that that's absolutely not true. And that is because uh, the way I like to phrase it when I'm teaching at the TI is that halacha is more of an art than it is a science. In art, there's no correct or incorrect way to depict what the event of Klai Yusuf receiving the Torah at Har Sinai looked like. So if we were to go ahead and uh, give each of us uh, a couple of crayons and a, and a blank piece of paper and say, I want you to go ahead and draw what, uh, what the, uh, the event of Harsinai looked like, we would obviously all come up with very different pictures of what that would be. Many, many different factors uh, relate to that, but there's no correct or incorrect answer as far as that drawing is concerned. It's all a matter of just the artistic talents, the artistic perspective, and what's being incorporated into that, and there is nothing which is correct or, uh, or, or, or incorrect. So that is something that we're going to see, a ritva, which is related to that, which very much emphasizes that, uh, th- that idea. And that's, uh, but this is Rabbi Yisrael's uh, principle as far as Elu Elu. Now, if you remember, what he was coming to do was, one of the things which he said was, 
that uh, he went back with this, we're not like it. The way he presented it is he had one source with a question, a second source with a question. Then he analyzed the machlokas beishama and beishilal in terms of that halacha. And now it's time to close up those gaps of the questions which he mentioned. So the two things which he mentioned, just for review, is first he mentioned Rebbe Lezer and Rebbe Kiva. Rebbe Lezer, there was during a time of a drought, Rebbe Lezer went ahead and said a 24 bracha shmonesrei, heartfelt shmonesrei, davening that the rain should fall and nothing. Rebbe Kiva gets up to the Amr and he says, Avinu malkeinu ein lanu ata, that our father, our king, we have no, uh, no uh, king other than you. And all of a sudden it starts pouring and raining. So they had plenty of, uh, of rain. And Abbasco came out and declared that the reason it rained when Rebbe Kiva Davin is not because Rebbe Kiva is any greater than Rebbe Lazar, but it simply has to do with the fact that Rebbe Kiva was forgiving. He was willing to forego when uh, people would insult him, whereas Rebbe Lazar did not have that, uh, that approach. And Rebbe Sorrell's question was, well, isn't that itself an indication that Rebbe Kiva is greater than Rebbe Lezer? Rebbe Kiva was foregoing, he was forgiving, he, uh, he didn't get uh, upset when people said things which were insulting towards him, and Rebbe Lezer did, so how can you say that it's not a function of which one's better than the other? Seemingly, the, that, that description of them, that difference between them, is itself the reason why it rained for Rebbe Kiva, not for Rebbe Lezer. So how can you say Rebbe Kiva is not, uh, not any better? And then the second source, which uh, Rebbe Soil had, made the, uh, had referenced, was the disagreement between Hillel and Shammai. Hillel was somebody who was very patient. So when the non-Jew comes to him and says, I want you to go ahead and teach me the entire Torah while standing on, on one foot. So Hillel didn't chase him out the door. He went ahead and taught him Torah and everything else's commentary, everything else's commentary. And Shammai went ahead and uh, sent him out of the, uh, the room. He threw him out of the, uh, the house, which isn't hard because he was standing on one foot. So he went ahead and he just uh, got rid of him uh, very very quickly. So there also, uh, Rabbi Saul was wondering whether or not this is indicative of the fact that uh, maybe Hillel is somehow better than Shammai or something along those lines, but he was trying to understand that also the difference between them. So now where we will now pick it up. So we're now, as we said, we're going to start to fill in, uh, to close off the, uh, the rest of the, uh, the circles. So he says, and we're on this paragraph over here. Okay, so he says the, the same thing, the same principle in terms of that uh, Hillel and Shammai had, uh, had, had, had worked things out. And we, we, we ended with this really on the, uh, last week. And he said that the, the difference in terms of the approach that Hillel had when the non-Jew came to him versus Shammai's response when the non-Jew approached him had nothing to do with a personality thing. It wasn't because Hillel by nature was a kind, sweet uh, person who was very uh, patient with others. And Shammai by nature was somebody who was impatient and didn't have any, uh, you know, didn't have any tolerance for people who are going to uh, what we may call Dracups or something like that. So it had nothing to do with a personality difference between them, said Rabbi Yisro, but really what it had to do with, with was that each one had considered very carefully, both Shammai and Hillel had considered very carefully as far as what is the best way to interact, what is, what is the, the best way, I'll say it that way, what's the best way to interact with other people? 
How does the Torah expect us to go ahead and, uh, and interact with other people? So Hillel, through his research, he went ahead and decided that the best way to interact with people is with patience and with a, with a, with a soft touch. And therefore, he adapted his personality to be able to respond to people in such a way where everything was uh, something was uh, everything was soft and everything was with a smile and everything which was was with patience. Whereas Shammai was of the opinion that what Akash Baruch Hu wants us to do is to be very um, uh, not, not very strict per se, but to be very uh, precise in terms of what things are going to do, and with little patience, uh, without uh, uh, having to demonstrate patience to somebody who's a drake up. Let them go ahead and drake up somebody else, but you don't have to go ahead and allow them to, uh, to, uh, to drake up uh, you. So he says, and uh, this, amazing, this amazing thing, that it wasn't a difference of personality. It was a difference in terms of how each one of them concluded what the expectation was for them. So therefore, says uh, Rabbi Yisrael, So Shammai, who was the strict one, he was the one who, uh, who responded with, uh, with, without much, uh, much patience. So he's actually rewarded for his approach because he maintained that that was, that was the, the ideal way of interacting with other people. That's what Kosh Baruch wanted from him. And that is because Kimo, Kimo Hillel, and the same way that we're confident that Hillel went ahead and got rewarded for his humility, because he felt that the humility approach, the humble approach, is the ideal way to interact with others. So each one who had reached the conclusion what the correct way to interact with others was, each one is then going to be rewarded for following through on what they thought was correct. Because there is no definitive correct or incorrect approach. Because both of them did the exact same thing, which was conforming their behavior to the Torah's expectation. They just had different opinions as far as what the Torah's expectation was. And they're allowed to have differences of opinion about what the expectation of the Torah is, just like they could have differences of opinion as far as what the, uh, the expectation is in halacha. So just like there can be different opinions in halacha, there can be different opinions as far as hanhaga, as far as behavior and how to interact with others. And therefore, just like by halachas, if you're a Beishamai Nick, you do Beishamai's halachas. If you're a Beishilal Nick, you do Beishilal's halachas. So too, each one of them had their different way of interacting with others. And for each of them, their way was a mitzvah. So it turns out, explains Rabbi Yisrael amazingly, he says, Nimza, says that Hillel's behavior was not any better than Shammai's behavior. They were just different. And in the world of truth, meaning in Gan Eden, so both of these approaches are considered to be reliable, good approaches to, uh, to, to behavior. And they're one right next to the other. And both of them, and each one is going, to be enjo- is going to be able to enjoy this spiritual bliss 
that one earns for behaving according to the Torah, even though their two approaches were diametrically opposed to one another, that doesn't make a difference. Because each one had cheshbined out, each one had, had thought about it and reached the conclusion what the best behavior is, and therefore they could each get rewarded for their, uh, their uh, behaving as they thought was the correct approach. But that's only while Hillel and Shammai are around, are both alive, and both of those opinions are considered to be valid. But once Chazal come along at a later point, and they say that we hold like Hillel, we agree with Hillel's approach of humility rather than Shammai's approach of strictness. And they said that a person should always be humble as Hillel. And one should not be strict like Shammai. So at that point, once, once Chazal decide that we're Paschal like Hillel and not like Shammai, So at this point, a person cannot say, you know what, I'm going to be a Beishamaynik and I'm going to be very strict with everybody I interact with. If it was good enough for Shammai, it's good enough for me. And I like the way he, uh, he interacted with, uh, with others and dealt with, uh, with Drake Ups. So nowadays, we don't have that option. Similar to what we said in Halacha, that you could have opinions which were valid at a certain point. Beishama and Beishillel's opinions were both equally valid till the Basco came out and said, you know what, from now on we're Paschal like Beishillel. Once the Basco makes the decision that we Paschal like Beishillel, you cannot go backwards in time and say, I'm going to Paschal like Beishamah, I'm going to continue to Paschal like Beishamah, because Halacha has been decided like Beishillel, and once Halacha is decided, whatever that process is, but once Allah has decided, there's no turning back. So the same thing is going to be true as far as our interactions, our Ben Adam Chavero is a similar thing. During their lifetimes, both Hillel as well as Shammai's opinions were equally valid, and therefore you could be a Shammai Nick, you could be a Hillel Nick, and as long as you follow what your Rebbe taught you, you're going to earn for yourself Olam Haba. But once Chazal later on, at this later point in history, said, we passed in like Hillel, that humility is the way to go. So now, no longer can a person go ahead and align themselves with Shammai and say, I'm going to interact with people with the strict approach that's now considered to be non-halachic. And it takes a while to, to process that, 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 that perspective, that there could be a period of time where a certain behavior is halachic, and then later on in history, it could, that opinion can be no longer halachic, no longer halachic in the sense of halachalamaisa. And it's an amazing thing to, uh, to, uh, to consider that the evolution of halacha, sometimes when we use that phrase, evolution of halacha, it makes people nervous. It thinks we're going conservative. It thinks we're going reform. It thinks we're going in a different direction. But the truth is, is the idea of halacha evolving is something which is inherent to the Torah itself, as well. I'll show you a, a source uh, 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 shortly. So now he says that, now he brings it back to the original story, the original story of Rabbi Kiva and Rabbi Lezer. Rabbi Lezer went ahead and dabbed for the Amud, 24 brachas of Shemot Esrei, and he was not able to generate rain. Rabbi Kiva says one line from Avinu Malkeinu, and all of a sudden it starts raining. And the Basco goes out of its way to say it has nothing to do with Rabbi Kiva being any better than Rabbi Lezer. It has to do with the fact that Rabbi Kiva is foregoing, he's forgiving, whereas Rabbi Lezer is not. So now he says, now he gets back to that. He says, "Who uh, So this is what the Basco said that Rabbi Kiva was Maver Almidosaf. We'll just grab this, even though it's not underlined. We said that El Shizem Maver Almidosaf is the Eno Maver Almidosaf. 
the Basco went ahead and said the reason why it rained for Rabbi Kiva, not Rabbi Lezer, is because Rabbi Kiva is forgiving when people insult him, whereas Rabbi Lezer is not. And we were surprised by that because the fact that Rabbi Kiva is forgiving and Rabbi, and Rabbi Lezer is not, doesn't that itself indicate that Rabbi Kiva is better? Why doesn't that say that Rabbi Kiva is better? How could, how could the Basco say it's not because Rabbi Kiva is better, but it's because he does this behavior which is better? So that means he's better. So what, what does that mean? So he says, he explains, and here you need a little bit of, uh, of knowledge of Tanayim and whatnot. But he says, it's well known, that Rebelezer sometimes in the Gemara, Rebelezer the Tana, is sometimes referred to as a Shamuti, meaning, meaning that he was a, he got his degree his high school degree, his bachelor's degree, his master's degree, his six doctorates in halacha, so all of his six uh, degrees, or Shisha Sidri Mishnah got six doctorates, so all of his degrees were all from the Beishamai uh, Yeshiva. So he was a, uh, through and through, he was a Beishamainik, and therefore, the, uh, therefore, the Haya, and for that reason, so therefore, obviously, he's going to subscribe to Shammai's view of interacting with others. That in order to demonstrate proper Kavadah Torah, so you can't go ahead and you can't start draining around with all these drink cups. And you have to approach it with a strict to say, what's your question? Here's your answer. Goodbye. Have a good day. And when somebody comes in and they say, go ahead and teach me the entire, to- the entire Torah on one foot, he found that to be an offense to Torah. And therefore, if somebody's being offensive to Torah, you respond to them in a way by throwing them out. So Belez's approach had nothing to do with the personality thing, once again. It had to do with his belief of what the correct uh, uh, expectation is from the Torah as far as how to respond to such people. And therefore, the Alkane, for that reason, So that's why he wasn't forgiving when people did things which were insulting, because as a Talmud Chacham, as a Gadol Ador, he felt that that would compromise the honor of Torah, and he wasn't, he didn't think that it was in his authority to go ahead and compromise the honor which is due to Torah. The Torah is not his, that he could go ahead and do so. But Rabbi Kiva, on the other hand, he was a student of Hillel. And as a student of Hillel, and therefore Rabbi Kiva's approach to things was based on Hillel's teaching, which is that when you interact with others, you do so in a humble manner. And he felt that even when it's going to be an issue of Kavad Torah, still his belief was that the Torah's expectation is you should always interact with others with great humility. And therefore, and therefore when people went ahead and insulted him, so he was willing to be forgiving. He would forego any right of, uh, of bearing a grudge against them or anything of that sort, because he didn't think that that was the Torah way, that was the authentic Torah way of approaching things. So it turns out, like the Basco said, that Rabbi Kiva is no better than Rabbi Lezer in terms of Avodah Hashem. They just have different forms of Avodah Hashem. Rabbi Kiva's Avodah Hashem reflects the Hillel approach of humility, and Rabbi Lezer's approach to Avodah Hashem reflects Shammai's approach to Avodah Hashem, which is strictness and Kavadah Torah. But neither one is better than the other. They're both loyal and sincere in terms of what their belief is as far as what does the Torah want.
Achrei, and the reason why neither one was better than the other, as we said, was Achrei ki kol echad hayim isnagab lefishi taso kasher nira lo al because each person went ahead and behaved in accordance with what they believed was the expectation of the Torah. And therefore, since each one was do, was is sincere and loyal to their opinion, neither one is better than the other. Just because you do halacha this way doesn't mean that somebody does it a different way is any better or any worse than you are. Each one is conforming with their belief as far as halachic expectation. Or over here, each one is conforming with their belief as far as what their the expectation is in terms of their personal conduct. And neither one is any better than the other, and that is the uh, the, the meaning behind behind that. Um, okay, so then, why is it? So if each approach, both Rabbi Kiva's approach of humility was just as valid, or I should say the other way, if Rabbi Lezer's approach of strictness is just as valid as Rabbi Kiva's approach of humility, and really, it's just two different sides of the coin, two different ways of approaching things, but neither one is inherently more authentic or more loyal to Torah principles than the other. Each one is equally valid. So then the question now is, so why was Rabbi Kiva answered and not Rabbi Lezer? If both of them had equally valid approaches to Avodah Hashem, to service of Hashem, so why was Rabbi Kiva fortunate enough that he says one line from Avinu Malkeinu and it rains? And yet Rabbi Lezer said a 24 bracha shmon and not a cloud in the sky. So to this, Rabbi, uh, Rabbi Saul explains that the idea is, and it's that next underlined section in the next paragraph, he says, uh, so he says the reason for that difference, the reason why Rabbi Kiva was able to trigger a rainfall and Rabbi Lezer was not, is he says, because we are taught, we have a tradition, how HaKadosh Baruch Hu interacts with mankind. I shouldn't even necessarily say interacts. How HaKadosh Baruch Hu responds is probably more accurate. How HaKadosh Baruch Hu responds to mankind. And that is, So HaKadosh Baruch Hu always responds to us, measure for measure. In other words, that when we behave in a certain way, so we send off this, this spiritual energy just comes out, uh, emanates from us in terms of our behavior. And as a result of that, that's going to draw back to us a, a reflection of that spiritual energy. So if you're kind and generous to others, HaKadosh Baruch is going to be kind and generous to you. If you are uh, mean-spirited and you're judgmental of others, so HaKadosh Baruch is going to respond in a mean-spirited, judgmental uh, way to you. This is the idea we're still pretty far away, but it's uh, it's already close enough we can mention it, that there's the idea, a very famous idea from Rav Levi Yitzchak of Berdichov, where the Pasuk says, and as you get into Elul, so that's where it's, a, it's one of the parshas which you read at that time, but the Torah says, Shoftim v'shotrim titein l'cha. That you're going to go ahead and, Shoftim v'shotrim means that judges and officers, titein l'cha, you give to yourself. So in context, what the Pasuk means is, is that it's a society, so we need, in order to have a well-run and safe, well, uh, well-functioning well society, so there need to be laws, there need to be officers who are going to enforce those laws, those laws and there need to be judges who are going to decide whether people are conforming with those laws or they are violating those laws. Society needs judges and needs officers. So that's the Pasuk shot, that's the simple meaning of the, uh, of the Pasuk. But from a Hasidic perspective, Rabbi Levi Yitzhak of Berdichev in the Kedushas Levi, so he says that this is a lesson for each individual. And it's a reminder that you 
meaning every one of us, you create the personality of the judge who's going to judge you come Rosh Hashanah time. In other words, if you're a person who's judgmental of others, who's mean towards others, who's harsh towards others, who's impatient towards others, then the way that you judge others, the way that you look at others, that's how Kesh Baruch is going to look at you. And that's how your judgment on Rosh Hashanah, says from Echuvah and Yom Kippur, is going to be based on your judgmental perspective, your judgmental uh, uh, attitude and behavior towards others. But on the other hand, if you are humble and you are forgiving and you are not judgmental of others, so then Akash Baruch Hu says, listen, if you're able to be forgiving, so then I will reflect that back to you and I will go ahead and I will be forgiving to you to you as well. So the Shoftim V'Shotrim Titein Lecha is a reminder of the fact that we really hold the keys for the outcome of our din on Rosh Hashanah, Seshimei Tshuva, and, uh, and Yom Kippur. And the way, and the way w- that's going to be determined is how we look at others and how we interact with others. So here also, Rabbi Yisrael is saying that this is rooted in this principle which we call Mida Kenegad Mida. The Baruch Hu says that you create the spiritual energy it originates with you. It comes outwards into the, into the universe, into HaKadosh Baruch Hu, into the spiritual world. And then HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to put a mirror up and he's going to allow that to reflect right back to you. And therefore, since Rebbe, so it's not that Rebbe Kiva's approach was necessarily better quality than Rebbe Lezer's approach, whether humility is a correct approach or whether stringent uh, uh, interactions with others is a more authentic and more correct approach, but it happened because both of those were, 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 were equal, were equally valid uh, approaches to Avodah Hashem, but in terms of the Mida, Kinegan Mida dimension of the, or spiritual law of the universe, so in terms of the Mida, Mida law of the universe, so then there obviously is a great advantage to Rebbe Kiva's approach over Rebbe Elazar's approach, because Rebbe Kiva sends out this positive, uh, non-judgmental, humble type of, uh, uh, of, uh, of energy into the world. And therefore, Kosh Baruch is able to see Rebbe Kiva and say, listen, if you're willing to forgive other people when they are offensive to you and they say mean things to you and they don't listen to you and they don't respect you, so Kosh Baruch says, I could do the same thing. So that even when the Jewish people are sinning, I won't take personal offense to the fact that the Jewish people are sinning and they're not listening to me and they're insulting me and they're doing all sorts of things that they should not do. And therefore, I'll allow it to rain nonetheless. I will bring rain into the universe nonetheless, because that's what Rebbe Kiva was able to do with his, by tapping into his approach to Avodah Hashem and the Midah Kenegin Midah, how that's going to reflect off of Shemayim and then back down into the, into the world. So that's why he says that, uh, we'll just read that line in the last paragraph over here. He says, So therefore, when both Rebbe Lazar and Rebbe Kiva took the Amud to Davin, So when Rebbe Kiva took the Amud, and together with him, he brings his approach to Avodah Hashem, which is rooted in Hillel's approach, which is that of humility. So just like he is forgiving 
and he is foregoing, and he's not going to say, listen, how dare you insult me? How dare you uh, go ahead and behave in a disrespectful manner? And I'm going to show you that this is intolerable. Being the Rebbe Kiva behaved the opposite way than that. So Kosh Baruch also is going to reflect that back and say, I'll be forgiving and I'll be foregoing. And even though the Jewish people are sitting, I'm going to give them, I'll be kind to them. And I'm going to go ahead, I'm going to give them rain anyways. So Rebbe Kiva was able to go ahead and tap into that Mita Kenegan Mita and generate rain, even though he ultimately recited a very short prayer. But in contrast to that, Rebelezer, who adopted the Shammai approach of of interpersonal relationships, and he was not forgiving when somebody insulted him because he felt it was wrong to do so. So then, so granted, on a personal level, he's going to be rewarded for the way he interacted with others because he felt that that was the Torah's expectation of him. That he was conforming with Hashem's will by being mocked, by being strict with others and not forgiving when they were insulting. However, so even though on a personal level, he is going to be rewarded for his behavior. But the bottom line is that according to his approach, he was not being forgiving. And being that, according to his approach, he was not being forgiving, so he could not convince God to be forgiving of the sinful Jewish people. And therefore, there's, the, the, there's nothing that he's going to be able to say which is going to be able to change that. That's, okay. So being that his approach was not to be forgiving in such things, so for that reason, when he davened even along 24 brachas monasre, he was not able to change HaKadosh Baruch Hu's approach, because that wasn't consistent with his form of Avodah Hashem. So it has nothing to do with better or worse, because on a personal level, Rabbi Kiva and Rabbi Lezer are both going to earn an enormous Ganadin for their approach to Avodah Hashem. But in terms of the, how their approach is going to impact the universe in which they found themselves, so Mida Kenegan Mida says that Rabbi Kiva is going to be answered, and he's going to be able to generate rain, whereas Rabbi Lezer is not. Okay, that's very strange because what? it may be good for, for Hillel, but he's teaching everybody else it's okay to be nasty and the rest of us catch it. And the rest of us what? We catch the nastiness from the people around them because there's no downside to being nasty because uh, Hillel is, is uh, an Akiva are very forgiving. But but, but there's the downside to being nasty to them, so they're going to be nasty to us too. Right. So I, I don't know if I would use the word nasty. That's already a judgmental term. <laughs> um, it's already a subjective term, I should, I should say. Um, but, but yes, so that's why ultimately, uh, in a later generation, so Chazal Paskin like Hillel and Rebbe Kiva rather than Shammai and, uh, and, uh, and Rebbe Lezer. So nowadays, so we're heavily influenced by the way we paskin in these, uh, these matters. So that's why you are uh, looking at the, the strict approach as, um, as being nasty. And it's not necessarily so. They, they tell the story. I won't use the name because you may think that it's a, it's a negative reflection of the person. But somebody was known to be an outstanding uh, genius in Torah, uh, but it was also known to be very strict uh, with, uh, with people. Uh, and uh, somebody came in, they, they had written a sefer on Chomish, and they, uh, they came to this Rav, and they wanted to get a Haskama. 
they wanted him to write a letter saying that he read through the Sefer and it's a great Sefer, great Chedushim and all sorts of other things. So the, uh, this Rav went ahead and he flipped through the Sefer and uh, you know, it goes to a number of pages and he looks up and he comments, he says, the Amaretz knows how to read a Pasuk. So now that's not really the, the, the Haskama that he was looking for to be called an Amaretz by, uh, you know, by this Gadol Ador and he wasn't going to get Haskama, to, you know, he called the Haskama. But as they walked out, the guy had, the author had a huge smile on his face. So they asked the author, he said, he just called you an Amaretz. So like, why, why are you smiling? Why are you excited by this? So he said, it's true, he called me an Amaretz, but he said, I know how to learn a Pasuk. So, so he was excited by the fact that there was some redeeming element of it that he saw that, the, that he wasn't completely, completely off base. But there was this idea, there was this approach of certainly in learning that either you're going to say something which is very wise and very smart, or if you say something which is stupid, you're going to be called out for saying something which is really stupid. So that was even two generations ago, three generations ago. That was the approach that, uh, you know, that uh, many Russia yeshiva and many uh, Rebbeim had was they were not very patient for silly svaras. So, you know, the, I think as time goes on, we, we are a little uh, impatient as far as their impatience is concerned. But, uh, you know, that, that's, that's an evolving thing. Okay. Now, just to sort of uh, uh, finish off this, uh, this idea and my understanding of Rabbi Yisrael, so as we're going to see that my understanding of Rabbi Yisrael Salanter, even though he didn't make reference to this particular piece, um, I think that this is something which, uh, um, if, if, he, if he wasn't influenced by this uh, ritva, so certainly it's something which I think lends a strong amount of support for his understanding of the halachic process. <clears throat> so remember, we saw the idea is is that uh, you could have you could have coexisting at the same time two different two different halachic psakim two different halachic rulings one saying it's mutter one saying it's aser one saying if you do this you're going to get get ganeden the other saying if you do this you're going to get ganem and both are absolutely true at the same time so the beisila mix in that particular case they're going to get ganeden and the beishamai mix for the exact same thing are going oh, sorry the beisila mix are going to get ganem. And the base Shamanix for the exact same thing are going to earn for themselves Ganadin. So this capacity of Torah, this amazingness of Torah, to be able to have two diametrically opposed opinions, and both of them equally valid, is rooted in uh, what uh, the Ritva's comment over here on the Gemara, which actually uses the phrase, the Elu Velu Divelokim Chaim. And he says as follows. So this or the, the context of the Gemara is the Gemara tells us that there was a bait debate between Beishama and Beisila for three years, and neither was able to prove their position correct. So this is, a lo- this is a long-standing debate which they had. And after not being able to resolve it after three years, a Basko comes out and makes a famous declaration, Eiluv Eilu Divra Elokim Chaimheim, that these and those are both accurate reflections of the living God, of the words of the living God. But Allah is going to be like Beisila. And the question which you always that you have to ask when you look at it is that if you tell me that if halacha means we usually think halacha means that this is an accurate reflection of what took place at Har Sinai. So if I pass them this way and I don't pass them that way, it's because this way is authentically what was said at Har Sinai, and the way we don't pass it is inauthentic and it's not an accurate reflection of what was said at Har Sinai. So here in this line of Shas, however, we have this amazing contradiction. You tell me Elu Velu that both Beis Shammai's opinion as well as Beis Hillel's opinion, bo- they both accurately reflect what was said by HaKadosh Baruch Hu to Moshe on Har Sinai. 
And if they're both accurate reflections of God's words, that means I should be able to paskin like both opinions. Either one of those opinions is equally valid. Halacha. And then in the very next line, you tell me halacha kebeisilo. If you tell me halacha kebeisilo, that sounds like Hillel, Basila is the accurate reflection of what God said, and Beishamai is not, and that's why they're being rejected. So how in the same sentence could you say they're both equally valid reflections, and yet we're only passing like Basila, and you can't pass them like Beishamai, who's a reflection of what God said? How can we not pass them like God? But how does, that, uh, how does that make any sense? So here, we have to do this uh, quick because of time, but the Ritva says, Shalu, Shalu Rabbeinu Tsar Fazal. So the French rabbis ask, how is it possible that both Beishamai and Beishillel's opinion are accurate reflections of what God said when when one says this, this action is Asr, the other says it's Mutter. So God could God in either it's Mutter or Asr. So if God said that this behavior is either Mutter or Asr, so that means either Beishamai is correct and Beishillel is wrong, or Beishillel is correct and Beishamai is wrong, but how could it be that if they hold opposite opinions, Mutter versus Asr, how could it be that they're both correct? Was God confused? So how does that work? So he says, Vitirtsu. So the French rabbis explain, Ki Moshe Torah, when Moshe went up on Har Sinai to receive the Torah, and we'll, we'll use the, the Ritva's numbers over here, but he says, amazing thing, that every Shiloh that Kashbarhu discussed with Moshe Rabbeinu, he gave him 49 reasons why this Shiloh is mutter, and 49 reasons why you could paskin that this Shiloh is Asr. So 98 different perspectives on every Shiloh, which they, which they discussed. So every Sif in Shulchan Aruch has not 49 reasons why it's mutter, 49 reasons why it's Asr. So obviously that's overwhelming, right? When you call up the rabbi with the shayla, you don't want him to tell you, start, well, there's this reason why it may be mutter, but then there's reason why it's asr. And then there's this reason why it's mutter, and then there's another uh, consideration why it may be asr. You just want to know what the psak is. You don't want to hear all of the lumdus behind it, all of the background behind it. Same way, you don't want your doctor to go ahead and start you know, telling you all this stuff. You just want him to tell you what, what medication to take. What do I have? What medication do I need to take? And send me on my way. You don't, need to, you don't want to go to medical school every time you call up the doctor with a question. So, therefore, Moshe Rabbeinu was sensitive to that. V'shol HaKadosh Baruch And he asked HaKadosh Baruch what am I going to go ahead and tell Kali so? when I get when, I, when, I, when we finish our Chavrus and I now have to go down the mountain, I have to teach Torah to Klai Yisrael, what am I teaching them? Am I teaching them it's Mutter Rasser? They don't want to hear a whole sheer 98 different perspectives, 49 say it's Mutter, 49 say it's Rasser, they just want to know what are they allowed to do? Are they allowed to do this or not? So what am I going to tell Klai Yisrael? And amazingly, V'amar, what's a Baruch response? Gash Baruch responds, don't ask me, it's not my job, nobody pays me to go ahead and pass the Shiloh, that's what God says. Nobody pays me. It's not part of my job description. If you look on the resume for God or, you know, position wanted, skills which are needed in order to be God, posek is not one of those skills. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, amazing, he says, Which of these 98 perspectives is going to be adopted as halacha lamaisa? God says, it's not my job to decide. It's the gedolim, it's the rabbanim of every generation they will decide which of these 98 perspectives is going to translate into halach lamaisa. And not only do they have the authority to make that decision, but you know what God says? The halacha, meaning my response to their behavior, whether I consider it to be a mitzvah, which earns reward, or whether I consider it to be an aveir, which is going to be punished, that will be decided by the chachamim 
who decided which of those 98 perspectives to adopt. So Gersh Baruch Hu says, I'm giving you a whole bunch of options, 98 options, and the gedolim of every generation, of every generation will decide which of the 98 perspectives they would like to adopt. And in their context, in their time and place, the Allah is going to be either Asr, because they said so, or it's going to be Mutter, because they said so. And that has no bearing on the previous generation, the next generation, what's happening in Eretz Yisrael versus what's happening in the United States. There's no carryover whatsoever between one and the other, because the Baruch Hu said there is no definitive halacha. There is no halacha, which is halacha l'moshim Sinai, and this is something which everybody has to go ahead and follow. Because every halacha allows coexisting 49 perspectives to say that this is mutter, and 49 ways to say that this is going to be aser, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu, in all 98 perspectives are divre elokim chayim. All of them are accurate reflections of what God said, because God shared with Moshe Rabbeinu 98 different perspectives in every Shiloh. So that's why initially we could say, they're both accurately reflect what God said, even though one says mutter, one says aser. But that's because God himself had 49 reasons why it's mutter, 49 reasons why it's aser. But now you want to know what behavior are you actually going to adopt? How are you going to behave? So as far as how you're actually going to behave, so now you can only do one, you can only do one thing. That's what halach lemaisa is. Halach lemaisa isn't theoretical. Halach lemaisa is you actually get in your car and you drive to a destination. Every time you get in your car and you drive to a destination, there's only one route which you take. There may be multiple routes which you can take. If we were to go ahead and take a poll over here, what's the fastest way to get to O'Hare Airport? So I imagine between the seven of us, we would probably have seven different routes to get to the airport. Everybody has their way, their, their sneaky way of thinking that they're going to get to the airport the fastest. And all of those will get you from point A to point B. So they're all valid routes to be able to get there. But Lamaisa, when you get in your car and you're going to go pick somebody up, you only go one route at a time. You can't, you can't drive multiple routes at the same time. So that's what halacha is. Halacha is the translation of the theoretical possible uh, ways to approach things. And what lemaisa are you going to do when it comes time to actually fulfill the mitzvah? And this, I think, conforms very much, this matches very much with Rabbi Saul's idea that you could have machogas between Beisham and Beisilo. And one saying they're going to earn Gan Eden for this. And the other says you're going to earn Gehenim for this. And they're both right at the same time, because HaKadosh Baruch Hu discussed this exact shaila with Moshe Rabbeinu, gave 49 reasons why it's a mitzvah, 49 reasons why it's an Avera. And until the Basco Paskin that we go like Beis Hillel, not like Beis Shammai, they were both equally valid opinions. And therefore, the Beis Hillel Nix who would do that, they would get Gehenim. And the Beis Shammai Nix who do that would get Ganeden at the very same time, because they're both equally valid, and at that time, you had the ability to paskin like your Rebbe, whichever, uh, whichever Rebbe it happened to be. And this is an amazing thing about halach, which is such an important idea, because we think very often people have this erroneous impression that their rabbi knows the best, and if your rabbi says something different than my rabbi, your rabbi must be wrong. Or maybe people think my rabbi is always wrong, whatever they think, but they think that one rabbi is right and one rabbi is wrong, but the truth is, is that the two different opinions are just different reflections of Divrel Kim Chaim. And there's actually some autonomy in some independence, which, uh, which a Rabbanim or Poskim or Gedolim have to be able to decide which of the perspectives that they're actually going to implement. Halacha Lamaisa. And once they go ahead and they issue that ruling, that becomes binding on their constituents. Even though constituents who live nearby maybe have a different approach to Halacha, and for them, the Halacha Lamaisa is going to be different. 
But nonetheless, this is the, this amazing thing about halacha that it's not a math, it's not a science where there's only one outcome which is correct, but it's really much more of an art. And it's something which is, there's a lot of su- subjectivity and there's a lot of perspective in there and all of that is able to, uh, to coexist. All righty. So that is uh, Elu v'Elu. Um, 